0: You're listening to For Good, Central Indiana Community Foundation's podcast highlighting stories about passion, purpose, and progress in central Indiana. At CICF, we believe in creating a community where everyone can reach their full potential, no matter their place, race, or identity. This is our community, and these are your stories. Hello, and welcome to For Good. I'm Drew Black, a Director of Community Leadership at Central Indiana Community Foundation. Today, we are recording just north of Central Library from Comida, where owner and head chef Lance George uniquely fuses Mexican and barbecue for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Thank you to Chef George and Pinnacle Catering Group for their hospitality today. Today on For Good, we're talking about opportunity youth. It's a phrase you may have heard as part of CICF's strategic plan for Marion County. These are young people, aged 16 to 24, who are not enrolled or employed. With me today are three individuals working to re-engage this population in different ways. I'd like to have everyone introduce themselves. Who are you and where do you work?
1: Hi, thank you, Drew. My name is Val Tate and I'm coaching and learning development director at uh, Community Action in Greater Indianapolis.
2: Thanks for being here, Val. My name is Eric Davenport. I am currently the director of the Boys and Girls Club Pivot. Uh, The Pivot program re-engages throughout the Far East Side. Thanks for being here, Eric.
3: I'm Phyllis Boyd, and I'm the Executive Director of Groundwork Indy.
0: Phyllis, thank you for being here. So I'm going to start out with the softball question um, and just ask you a little bit about the demographics of opportunity youth uh, and the type of uh, young people that you work with every day. Val, can I start with you?
1: Great. Um, so the work that we do is with 18 to 26-year-olds, and currently those folks who are from high-impact areas of trauma, so you can look for four six two one eight two two six two three five two zero five 226 from that area. We work mainly with African-American males who have a juvenile record or an adult record, uh, may or may not have graduated from high school, may be a father um, in that area. It's, in uh, really having some uh, hiccups in life. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, I work with the 16 to 24 year olds here on the Far East Side through the Boys and Girls Club. And so we use the Boys and Girls Club the pivot as a draw. Uh, and with that, we have a vast variety of individuals who come in. Uh, all of my young men are not African-American. All of them are usually in that same socio-economical area. So we have men of color, brown, and we have Uh, Caucasians as well, we have females that come in as well. I have a lot of basketball players that are female. Then we have the general crowd that comes in to just watch the games and whatnot. So I have a pretty diverse crowd of individuals who come in. But our target focus are those individuals who are, uh, as Val said earlier, are not engaged, who are not working, who may be indulging in some illegal activities and we wanna get those young men and women refocused. And so our job is to engage them and sort of get them back in education, get them back in schooling. And so our area is specific as Val's and uh, Phyllis's as well. Thanks, Eric.
3: Yeah, so at Groundwork Indy, we have youth that overlap, uh, the youth that um, Val works with and also the youth that pivot. And the age range is 16 to 24, 25, 26 sometimes. And on that uh, lower end of that scale, it's youth that have probably dropped out of high school, Um, And so in general, all of our youth are low income, primarily African-American. Most of them are males. And um, we try to work with them to make sure that if they haven't graduated from high school, that we're getting them into adult basic education, uh, getting them reconnected to getting their at least their secondary education completed.
0: Thank you guys for sharing. Opportunity Youth, it's, you know, it's, a buzzword now in town right and it's you know essentially just describing disconnected youth value spoke to that some of these young people may be parents Um, you know Eric you spoke to the fact that some may be um, maybe uh, justice involved at some point in time um, or have chosen to drop out of high school but you know we know that a lot of things don't always come down to choice and so you know disengagement could be uh, due to a lot of different things, um, I think it's unfair to put all young people in this bucket that they made a decision to get off track, uh, to you know, to uh, leave school, to leave work. Can you guys just talk practically about you know, um, just from a high level? You know, like what are young people facing today that you're seeing, and you know, like what do we need to be sensitive to when we think about this population uh, and why they may have become disengaged in the first place?
1: Um. This is Val uh, from the weekend program at KG, and what we're seeing is a high incidence of trauma. And so, when I mean by trauma, you might see kids who've never seen their father because it's been, their father has been incarcerated, or they have themselves have been incarcerated. They have had many, multiple deaths; um, that they see death on a daily basis. Um, they see where people in their household have not graduated from high school, um, and so. It's a high, and they live in high intensity poverty stricken areas of the city. Um, and so we all know the, demo, the, uh, the, the stats for poverty in Indiana is very high. And so the, so those are some of the traumas that I see for uh, the folks that we work with. And so if there was a score, uh, ACEs, um, uh, on that ACEs chart, uh, they Aces would score. Are adverse
0: mm, childhood experiences.
1: Correct. A tool that is used to uh, look at the uh, trauma that a person has um, has had to deal with in their lives, and so uh, many of our uh, the people that we serve, uh, Phyllis and and the Pivot, uh, would would score the same, would score very high on that, and so yeah, and those there are great ramifications for that
0: mm-hmm. for the community, absolutely, mm-hmm.
3: yeah, and just you know for an example, last week we had a youth whose brother was shot and killed. And so she came back to work today because she likes to be there. And it's a place where our youth feel safe. um, But there aren't a lot of maybe those places around. And so when those traumas happen, it totally disrupts your life. If you're employed, you might not be able to get to work. Um, You might not feel like going to school. So things that really can derail your ability to cope and just stay on track happen to these youth all the time.
2: Absolutely, I would say that in the Pivot, with the Pivot Program, we've had some participants who've passed away, Uh, getting to know the young men, engaging with them. I had a young man come into our facility yesterday and inform me that his brother was involved with an incident uh, involving IMPD, but the result was he was found, passed away here Saturday. And so, you know, these things happen to these young men and women all the time. I would say from a professional standpoint, what we probably need to work with uh, these young men and women is communications. We need to try to get them to be able to express themselves. And we as adults who have this good information, this good guidance, we need to learn how to disseminate that in a fashion that they can absorb it and respond to it. A lot of times, each of us know that we were told as a child to do something, really was the opposite thing we were doing. But if someone could explain to us the options and choices we make and then let us go make them, we respect that individual more. So we just have to learn to communicate with them more and try to get this information that we have and these resources we have to these individuals who really need it.
1: Um, What you have here is a collaborative uh, newly formed collaborative for me. I know that our, uh, the weekend program with KG will be joining with the pivot as well as with, um, with Groundwork Indy uh, starting in August. Um, and so our, our work will be to uh, provide the workforce wellness portion of our collaborative. And, um, and so it's going to be uh, something that has been realized by employee Indy, by, by KG, and by groundwork that's needed um, for our youth that we're working with on a daily basis. Yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, what I'm hearing is that, you know, a lot of these young people, the stakes are really high you know and they get even higher if they they fall out of going to school every day or or, or not uh, employed um can you guys talk i mean with with it being that high stakes um you know this isn't your standard population that most entities provide direct services to uh and you know one thing to think about is you know if young people are disengaged how do we go about finding them in the first place can you talk about how you find them and also how programs might look a little different for someone that would be considered a, a disconnected youth uh, versus a child that could be enrolled in school somewhere?
2: I would chime in on that by saying that what we need to do as a system, all of us at this table and all the people that are in our earshot, what we need to do as a system is to look at how we are going to help that individual instead of how... We want that individual to do what we want them to do. We need to look at giving you the necessary help that you need as an individual. You know, if we can help that individual, then that individual can then help themselves. Maybe you need to tell me what you need instead of me just administering something to you. Cookie-cutter programs are not going to work. Absolutely. What's your take on that, Phyllis?
3: I would say that we don't actually um, go out and do a lot of recruiting because the youth come to us And uh, the way they find out about us is from their friends and from family members. And so we haven't really, it's not that we're not out there talking about Groundwork Indy to youth, it's just that they come and we have a wait list for youth that want to get into our program and work with us. And I think a big part of what they appreciate about uh, being around our staff and the program is that we do try to treat them as whole people. So it's not just about providing a work experience, but looking at what do they need to be healthy in all the different ways that you need to be healthy. And yesterday, actually had a discussion about um, how how one looks at their place in the world. And um, I was telling them about this quote from a book by Paul Beatty called The Sellout. And because we were talking about uh, identifying issues in community and then how you start to address them. And there were some youth that were feeling overwhelmed And other youth saying, like, no, we can do this. And my take was, well, of course you can do this, but also ask yourself, and this is from the book, who am I and how do I become more myself? Because there's a lot of messages out there from whoever telling you that you are this or you are that or you are not this and you are not that. And so it's up to them to decide what their potential is, what they want to do in this life, what joy they're going to follow. And so we just try to help them do that.
1: And I would say um, uh, the weekend program, we use a trauma-informed community-building approach. And so a part of that, um, we've learned some best practices and some lessons learned. Uh, One good best practice that we use is something that Phyllis does at Groundworks, and that's the morning check-in. We always want to check in with them to just see where they are. And we just ask them, where are you? And what's your word for the day? And and what's going on with you now? And that really helps us to uh, focus in on them as individuals, uh, as well as it also allows them to express something that they may not have been able to express all night until that day. Um, It's really leaning into listening to where they are in the moment and so that we can help them throughout the day. Another thing that we do is that there's something that, we, uh, that Phyllis also does is allow for them to do community building kind of uh, work around the community. Uh, that, this is their community. They lived here. They've grown up here. Um, and so it's a, it's a different kind of feel for them to have done crazy stuff in the community, and all of a sudden, <laughs> involved in something very positive, positive. Um, and have our, people say thank you. Yes, yes, and right, acknowledge them as right, leaders right, uh, right. in their own community. Uh, this past year, uh, our champions did uh, at School 103, Failing School 103, a back a winter backpack, right, and so. They, uh, we worked with the uh, community organizer there, community uh, engagement person there, uh, Miss Pope, to um, bring to the commu- bring to the the school 500 backpacks, and um, fill with um, uh, you know school supplies. Because in the wintertime, we forget that that the kids have probably gone through everything by the time the second semester starts. Okay. So they were involved with were packing those and bringing them over, and they delivered it to kindergarten classes, to first grade, second grade, and they got a chance to talk to the kids. And so they got a chance for somebody to look up to them as somebody who is doing something positive in their own communities.
2: I think that you're absolutely right. I think the other thing there is that, like with the program that I'm involved in, uh, Yes indie Rec, I have a bad habit of calling it Pivot, because it's been Pivot for a year, but uh, the Yes Indy program now encompasses different units. We're no longer just at Boys and Girls Club. Now we are at Eastern Star and at Mar Carmel Church. So I think one of the things that, that we need to continue to do as facilitators and directors is to get this information out to our young people. That's one of the, one of the founding uh, aspects of the partnership between Employee Indy and Boys and Girls is to inform the east side of the cafe and all the resources that they have in that location. And so as we continue to tell those 16 to 24 year olds, they go home and tell others. And so we now to continue to get the information. Kind of a theme that I heard
0: in the last round of responses I thought was really interesting was that um, you guys are looking at this in an asset-based way. Uh, when a lot of these young people, if their last experience with the system was one that was punitive, an expulsion, a suspension, you're actually coming in in looking at each individual for who they are. Phyllis, you talked about the holistic approach to the individual, um, and essentially acknowledging what their gifts are and giving them an opportunity to utilize those gifts. that is the transition, though I'm sure that doesn't happen overnight. And so, can you talk a little bit about the relationship building and the and the trust factor that has to be built to kind of get young people along that continuum?
1: Sure. Um, this is Val with We Can, and what we do. One of the things that we do is that morning check-in, and we do also an afternoon check-in uh, to see where they are. Um, but we also do something called MRT. Um, it's a moral recognition. Therapy with them, and there's 18, we usually do about 18 sessions with them. And so it is an evidence-based um, curriculum that supports their development and growth around um, how to be uh, civic-minded uh, people, how to, their morals and their values. Uh, and it really supports them in understanding what has happened to them in the past and then helping them to create new pathways to being a better person. Whatever that person, we don't tell them what that person is. We allow them to see for themselves, what kind of person do I wanna be? And, help, and let, us, let us do that. And so that's this that's kinda a couple ways that we do it. The other thing that we do, which you're probably gonna hear them do as well, is we have lots of positive role models around them and supporting them and coaching them.
2: Yes, I think uh, with my program, the policy that I have implemented with with uh, my staff is that no one comes in my door without being acknowledged. No one passes you in the hallway, in the gym, in the cafeteria. No one passes you without you addressing an individual. You know, we speak to everyone at all times. It's the third or fourth time I speak to you that you may open up and tell me that real issue you have. If I only speak and say hello and keep it moving, I don't give you any personal time. So I think in, in building relationships, the one thing is it has to be personal, right? You know, a real relationship is something of person. You have to know that that person has a feeling. Yes, sir.
1: So when you say that, one thing that you hear, you might hear them say, hear, hear our, hear our, um, our champions say is we, we, we're not seen. They're oftentimes not seen exactly. unless they're seen in a negative way. And so for you to, to be able to just speak to them, say hello right. to them, right. how you doing, you know, what's, what happened, yes. joke around with them. Right,
2: general mm-hmm. conversations.
1: General conversations, as if they were people, yeah. like they are, is yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a major milestone to creating relationships that you want.
0: Definitely.
3: Groundwork Indy, I think the essential thing is creating relationships in small and big ways. And, and the small steps happen every day, yes, and we do start with the morning meeting our check-in, which uh, gives each youth an opportunity to go around, sort of say how they're feeling that day. And if they want to expand on why they're feeling a particular way, they can. If they don't want to, they don't have to. We can follow up with them later. Um, and we also, also you know, do a, sort of a fun check-in. So today it was, because we were doing a workshop on pollinators, um, it was if you could be an insect, what insect would that be? And you could say why. And so we had, you know, people saying, oh, I'd be a dragonfly or I'd be a butterfly. And if they could describe why, awesome. If not, no worries. We just went around the circle. But it gives us a chance to connect with each person and have them, you know, connect with everybody else and right. be playful. Absolutely. I mean, we need Absolutely. some of that every
2: day. Absolutely. I have. Some joke to say that everybody comes to my door, I am, I will never let you walk past me and you don't know that I didn't recognize you. I mean, it's just, there's no way someone can really express their problem to you if they don't feel comfortable with you from the beginning. And so we're trying to address issues, we're trying to address problems, we're trying to deal with their barriers and so we can't get to them if we don't create a relationship first.
0: Based on your experiences in the last you know, year or so, um, what what is working? What are the programmatic pieces that are working in terms of serving opportunity youth?
3: For Groundwork Guinea, the you know, the big piece for us with our work experience is that going back to this idea of, of how you show youth and community that youth are assets, that a youth no matter what they've done, has the potential to become someone that, you know, if if given the chance to pursue their hopes and dreams, can become a community member that Um, We all that we want and need in our city. Like, what kind of a city would we be if all of those youth really got to reach their potential? I think they get the message when they're at Groundwork that we want them to reach their potential, whatever that is, whatever they decide that is, and they resonate with that, just like any other youth in our city. You know, youth that have the opportunity and the ability to lean on families that are stable and economically healthy, They're no different from those youth. They just have all these challenges that really get in the way of them being able to do what they need to do.
1: Sometimes we have to be line steppers. That means we have to go outside the box uh, or disregard the rules in that. Um, uh, One thing that you see, a a lot of people put timelines on the development of the kids or the youth. Sometimes it's going to take you more than nine weeks. It's going to take you more than three months. It's going to take you more than six months. Uh, There is no one prescription for everybody. And so you have to leave the door open for them to come back if they stray away and always be holding out your olive branch for and seeking them to come back. Open for them to do that. uh, I think that's working for us um, because we're seeing we might see them, kind of kind of stray, and we okay where you at? You know, we ha, you know we texting them or getting on Facebook with them, you know what's going on with you? I haven't heard from you. What's going on?
3: That's what family does. Yes, it does. And we're extending that definition of family. Exactly,
1: exactly. and um, I think one of the other things we do. Uh, getting to your point Phyllis about family you, you, you find yourself doing it so well that they think you're a parent
2: Right, right.
1: so much so that I have to tell, uh, tell some of them sometimes I'm not your mom but those are the things that, um, that, that are working for us and they, and they help to create the relationships to me it really is about if they trust you they're going to try
2: Right. They're, Absolutely. Going,
1: they're going to try because they're going to feel like this person has faith and confidence in me until they can have it in themselves. Sometimes that's the, we're the bridge for that.
2: We have got to come out of the standard parameters, this standard of this works, that worked for him. What about the other 80 that it didn't work for? So we need to really look at each individual, we need to look at what their barriers are, We need to really address each individual. We need to really be aggressive about changing the way we do things for these individuals. If there's 20 or 30,000, that means what's already in place doesn't work.
0: So if people are listening to this and, and they are fired up, which I hope that they would be,
2: how could someone help? My answer is really, it's not in the corporation. It's not in the company. It's not in any of our policies. Is within each one of us. You know, we're driving down the street and we see that young man stranded. How many of us ever stopped to check on him? I'm just saying. Think of that. How many times the day you're having a bad day is when you need help? You never know that particular day you stopped to help the individual. You may have stopped him from committing suicide, may have stopped him from committing murder. You have no idea the pressure that that individual's under. So it's not just about our system, it's about the way we operate within our systems. So we as individuals have to actually step outside of. What our jobs are, what our, you know, what we're taught, how we were raised—all of us have some biases, and we need to step out of that and just help the individual in front of us. Speak to the person in front of you. You'd be surprised how much that would help.
3: We have a youth. This is Phyllis, um, who actually, uh, come, successfully moved on from groundwork, got a job, and uh, was then. Driving a car that had a broken headlight, was stopped, was, had some, a little bit of marijuana, just bits in the backseat of a car. And the police officers, three cars worth that stopped him, decided, and it is at their discretion, that he needed to be arrested. So he was arrested. He lost three days of work. It was automatic firing. He, his car was impounded. It had been paid for. By the time he was out of jail and able to pay for things, the charges never got acted on. He was not prosecuted. So he lost his job. He lost his car because he couldn't afford to get it out of the impound. And he has since been – he lost his apartment, and he's back at groundwork. And so I think at the stages or the places where um, different uh, parts of our city can – use their discretion and really look at if our goal as a city is to get our youth ready to become um, productive and active members of our society then let's not put these roadblocks in their way when we don't have to. That's a really concrete thing.
1: I think we have to be perpetual line steppers. We have to do unorthodox things. We can't do cookie cutter stuff we have to uh don't be afraid to try it new don't be afraid to fail go after it if it makes sense it it probably is going to work ask them what brings them and ask them what gets them we go out and we go door knocking calling people's family members and stuff like that to find out who is it in your family need to the most work, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> who in your family needs some help, you know, and this in this age range, you'd be surprised. They'll tell you about ten people, and you know, just from a, a phone call, you might get five or ten people names to follow up with. That, and you call them, and they fit all of those um, uh, what they need. Um, and so, just try something new. Just do it differently.
0: No, truly appreciate your thoughtful responses. Um, so. You know, kind of in closing, um, through all of the important work that the three of you are doing across these different sites and these different programs, can you just share, you know, like what it is that you hope to accomplish long-term through this work? What do you hope that your professional legacy is here related to Opportunity Youth in the city of Indianapolis?
2: Big question, but I'll hurry up and answer. (laughs) I just would like to see this program, these two other programs, expand. I like to see uh, you know IMPD along with some of these other entities out here uh, recruiting and helping uh, you know in our community. I like to see you know success not just on the far east side but in all these communities that are negatively affected. So I think my job is to bring the kids to the table, allow Phyllis and Val and all these other places to do the work that we have out here. I think we do have to realize in our fields that most of the good work is done or received by individuals who want it. And so we can't force feed it. And so my thing is that as long as I'm in a position to continue to allow these individuals to come forward and get the services, then I've, I've done what I need to do here.
1: Well, I always start with what, what's gift skills and talents? Can I identify within that person? And then what, what skills and knowledge and wisdom Can I come alongside them and support them with having a deeper understanding of themselves? I think after that, they're better able to make the choices that they need to make to have a better future for themselves and their families. After that, I see it replication. We should be able to see uh, them being able to be in the community, have success, and that being replicated. They're going back and getting their cohorts and bringing them to us, uh, or to someone that can support in their development and growth. And so in that way, we are developing leaders. We're developing people who can do that work alongside us. And then I wanna see um, the legacy of the family structure in these quote unquote trauma-laden neighborhoods are better. So the poverty in the community is getting worse. When you look at the community itself, you have the vacant abandoned buildings, you have uh, the drug houses, you have the streets and sidewalks that look atrocious. You know, people who are not able to or have not been advocating for themselves well enough to be able to do something about these things. The, The school system, what's going on in the schools where kids are getting kicked out what are these things that are oppressive in our communities that lead to the, the community's continuous poverty? And so I would like to see what are these things that we can do to turn that around in our communities?
3: I cannot improve on that answer, Val. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say ditto. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you guys so much for participating in this conversation. It has been an excellent one, and I hope that people that are listening feel like they learned a great deal. I know that I did. On behalf of CICF, I just want to say thank you to Val Tate um, at We Can KG, Eric Davenport at the Boys and Girls Club in Indianapolis. Phyllis Boyd from Groundwork Indy. Uh, and for those listeners today, uh, if you are interested in what you've heard, we will be posting links to all of these great projects on our website, CICF.org, uh, if you'd like more information. Thanks again to Kamita for being our gracious hosts, and we'll be back next month with another episode of For Good. For more information about the topics discussed today, visit CICF.org. For Good is brought to you by Central Indiana Community Foundation in partnership with WFYI Public Media. We hope you'll subscribe to For Good on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, don't forget to leave us a review.